Hello there. Welcome and thank you for listening to the Joy Fountain podcast. It is my prayer that the message you're about to hear will in many ways than one feed your soul and strengthen your decision and resolve to follow Jesus. My name is Andaza Hezekiah, pastor at the Joy Fountain Church here in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May your joy be full today in Jesus' mighty name. Now let's dive into the Word. We've been talking about the blessing. The blessing today, I want to say, is the great interventionist. The blessing is the great interventionist. The other day, two weeks ago, I talked about the blessing is at a distance. We saw how Abraham traveled and was able to get to a point where he offered his son Isaac according to God's instruction. The Bible said that he lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And I, I was able to come to a point where I shared with you that the blessing is at a distance and that there are certain things God will not do in your life. It takes time until you have fulfilled all the requirements that time places on that particular blessing, on that particular thing that God will bring to pass in our life. So the distance is important. We have to go the distance. Last Sunday, we talked about the blessing has staying power. And we talked about how, you know, the blessing of God in our life grants us staying power. And remember, from the very beginning, I defined the blessing as God imputing a divine ability in a person's life. God imputing a divine attribute in an individual, in a group of people, in a community, in a region, in a nation. Then I also went further to say the blessing is not a thing. It's a person. The blessing is Christ. And I proved that from the book of Galatians, the epistle of the Galatians chapter 3. And I will read it again today. Very important. Today, October 11, we are saying that the blessing is the great interventionist. So when you hear the blessing, always think of the person of Christ. And when God blessed Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, it says in the New Living Translation, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord had said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. Verse 3. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. Note the rest of it. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. What kind of a blessing is that? All the families of the earth. That's where you see Christ coming in. Now let's go to Galatians chapter 3 and see how that was fulfilled. In Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 to 14, it says, But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. The law God gave to Moses gave a curse. There were curses for every offense that man could commit against God. Now, the only way to come out of those curses was be, to come under Christ. So Christ was cursed for everyone because sin was a serious problem between God and mankind. So in verse 13, it says, when he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on the tree. Now watch verse 14. It says, through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. He said, we who are believers, when you see the word Holy Spirit, we who are believers can receive the Holy Spirit out of the Gentiles. The Gentiles nations were the non-Jewish nations. So God established a covenant with a particular race. Mathematicians will understand the, the meaning of taking a sample. Any scientist who has worked in a lab understands till tomorrow <laughs> we are using sampling to determine behavior. We use a, a sample 
to define or determine or learn the behavior of a certain thing. So if you take a culture in the lab, for example, you, you put it somewhere, you watch it, you do all kinds of, you apply different conditions of weather or heat or cold. Over time, you can make notes and arrive at a conclusion, okay? So those who are of that mind can understand. So that's what God was doing. He took a family, a person, a family, Abraham, and the family of Abraham, and then he blessed that family, that person and that family, and said, through you, I want to do something. And if we study that family through generations, we can see how God worked in imperfect people to bring about his perfect plan for the salvation of humankind. It's a spiritual thing. And that's why it boggles the mind of those who are very material and physical in their understanding. We have to go into the realms of faith. That's why the Bible says the just shall live by faith. I hope I'm making myself clear. So verse 14 tells us clearly that through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. That's what it's all about. And today I'm saying that this blessing, this Christ, this person, this thing, this attribute that God puts through this person in an individual, in a community, in a, a region, in a nation, in a place, this blessing is the great interventionist. So who is, what is an intervention? And what is an interventionist? An intervention, the word intervention, interventionist, is used when it relates to governmental authority. If the government were to intervene in another nation or to step into the crisis in another nation without being in, invited, they are called an interventionist government. If they do that within a subnational government, for example, if the federal government decides to leave Ottawa and go to Ontario, even though they are all in Ontario, and decides to impose their will, they are intervening. That's an interventionist approach to resolving problems without the diplomatic approach. That's an intervention. Now, there are times when an intervention is invited by people because they don't know how to resolve a problem. So they invite a foreign government or they invite, you know, a higher power to a subnational government to say, come and help us. We don't know how to resolve this. So they bring in the tanks, they roll in stuff and all of that. So when we use the word intervention, when we use the word interventionist, we are saying that the government of heaven can intervene. There are times when God will arise and intervene in a situation. That is why we pray. When we pray, we ask God to intervene. We are inviting him. We are inviting the host of heaven. We are inviting the powers that of heaven to come and resolve a situation, a conflict that is beyond our ability. We are asking God to step in where we cannot so that he can prove himself. Jesus is the great interventionist. That's God's plan for us to come into a relationship with him. But let us also look at other areas where the blessing comes out as an intervention. The blessing speaks to intervene. That's why I said the second song today that we sang, the word of God speak, word of God speak, is so important to this message. You can go back and listen to it later, but the song is such a blessing. And as, as David was singing that, I said to myself, wow, it's like he knew what I was going to talk about. The blessing speaks to intervene. That is the first thing I want you to understand. Every time that you hear the voice of the Lord, either through a message that I, as somebody is preaching now, it's Andaza's voice you are hearing, but God can, through my voice, bless you with something that will encourage you and to strengthen your faith, okay? So the blessing speaks to intervene. And we can start the journey from the beginning of the Bible. What a wonderful book. In Genesis chapter 1, what do we see there? The Bible tells us 
that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and without an empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. The Bible says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. God said something to the darkness. The blessing speaks to dispel the darkness. And right there, the Bible says, there was light and God saw that the light was good. God saw that the light was good. Jesus is called the word of God. He started speaking from his childhood. Think about this, please, a little bit. A lot of times we don't, you know, we just gloss over the scriptures. I want you to follow me. Do you know that Jesus as a child, it, when he was 12, he was talking with the people who had stopped in the temple for three days, talking and discussing and they had so great an understanding. He was talking to people who are 70, 80, maybe even 90 years old, I don't know, but who have been reading the Torah for years and yet he had greater understanding than they had. Now watch this. Can you imagine a scenario? Joseph is the earthly father of Jesus. Mary is the earthly mother of Jesus Yeshua. So Yeshua is growing in their home. His father is a carpenter. One day he walks into the kitchen and his mom is cooking. Imagine they have a hot stove. Just imagine that they had electricity. Imagine in those days that she was cooking and suddenly something happened. You know, the, the power went out and she wasn't able to finish the meal. Yeshua walks into the kitchen. Oh, mom, what's going on? She's like, oh, I'm not going to be able to get this meal ready before dad comes back from this, you know, uh, he came home early that day because he works with dad at the, at the shop where they build furniture. Okay, so she walks, uh, walks out of the kitchen and is like, oh, I have to call dad on the cell phone and let him know he had to pick up a chicken on his way home. Oh, where's that cell phone? She's going around looking for her cell phone. She comes back to the kitchen and she sees that the food is cooked. She says, Yeshua, what happened? I spoke to it. Mom, you spoke to it? He's only eight years old. Okay, then he gets to nine, ten. All of these things are happening over and over. One day he goes to the shop with dad while they're in the shop, there, a customer comes and he asks, Joseph, where's the table I came for yesterday? You said it would be ready. Joseph said, yeah, there were some difficulties, you know. You know there was a lockdown and uh, things didn't come from China on time. So we're just waiting on the parts. And Yeshua walks in from the back of the store. Papa, what are you talking about? Oh, the table. Yeah, we're talking about the table. And yeah, I, 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 the customer is upset. His name is Jerushadan. He's upset. And then Yeshua says, Dad, which table are you talking about? Is it the same table from yesterday? Come, come, come. He says, why, why, why? Son, son, what are you saying? He says, the table. It's ready. Oh, the table is ready, Jerushadan. So Jerushadan takes the table. Goes, he says, son, what did you do? The customer has left. What did you do? He said, I spoke to him. I'm sure very soon they got used to him speaking to things because even the neighbor's child who fell on the soccer pitch the other day and he was bleeding, by the time they got there and the mom was running and said, oh, let's call the ambulance and all that. They said, what happened? Yeshua looks and said, I spoke to it. I'm sure that the neighbors knew there was something about this child, but his time had not come. He had been doing that. That's why his mother said in John John chapter 2, when he was talking about his, the miracle, you know, where he turned water into wine. He told his mother, my time has not come. The mother sent people to him, said, just go and talk to him. Whatever he says to you to do. She's, she's done it so many times. She knew this child. She remembered the angel Gabriel coming to her. She knew there was something. By the time he was 28 years old, she had seen so many things. If gas is finished in the car for some reason, he said, I spoke to it. Not every time. Sometimes the mom will say, why don't you do this? He said, I just do it when my father tells me to. And she already understood. That's why on the cross, Mary could say to Jesus, my Lord and my God. Do you see? Understand, when you are looking at the Bible, try to bring the Bible into your everyday situation. He was one who spoke 
to things. If you are a child of God today, I want to ask you, when last did you speak to your situation? When last did you speak to your brain? When last did you speak to your body? When last did you speak to your children? When last did you speak over your church? When last did you speak over your pastor, your minister? When last did you speak regarding God's will concerning the people? You say, you are afraid. Have you spoken to fear? Fear is a spirit. You are anxious. Have you spoken to anxiety? When last did you use the power of your words? And I'm not saying that everything you speak will come to pass. But why don't you at least try? Why don't you at least try? Just Use the words that God has given to you and see what happens. I want you to think of Lazarus. I want you to think of the Samaritan woman that Jesus met at the well. Lazarus was called out of the tomb. I want you to think of the widow of Nain who was a widow and her son had died and she was crying without asking Jesus to do anything. Jesus stood by the bear as they were carrying the dead man and he touched it and that's all. He didn't even touch the person. He just touched the stretcher, whatever. He touched it and the Bible says he came back to life. Think of the thief on the cross. He spoke to the thief on the cross. Just what he said to the thief on the cross was what changed the eternal destiny of that thief. He said, tonight you will be with me in paradise right away because you put your faith and your trust in me. I want you to understand that when we talk about the blessing in the Old Testament, we're talking of Jesus in the Old Testament because Jesus was not revealed in the Old Testament as we know in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, when the flame of fire engulfed that bush and Moses saw it and the flame did not consume the bush and he says, what is this? This is a great sight. Let me go and see. And the voice said, remove your shoes for where you stand is holy ground. That was the blessing. That was Christ. That was the blessing of Abraham speaking out of the bush. That was Christ in the Old Testament. When you go and read it, you will see. The Bible said the angel spoke. And then later the Bible said, and the Lord said out of the fire. When Jacob was at Bethel, he had a dream in Genesis chapter 28 from 10 to 16. Christ was speaking. This is why Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen my father. <laughs> Every time you hear the voice of God, Christ is speaking because he is the word of God. In Genesis chapter 31, verse 10 to 13, you can write these scriptures down. I, I encourage people to read the Bible. If you don't read the Bible in the times that we're in, you are going to be in trouble because the Bible has revelation material. And if you pray that God gives you revelation from his word, you'll be strong. You'll be a strong believer. You will not live in fear. In Genesis chapter 31, verse 10 to 13, the Bible tells us, one time during the mating season, I had a dream and saw that the male goats mating with the females were streaked, speckled, and spotted. Then in my dream, the angel of God said to me, Jacob, and I re replied, yes, I am. Uh, yes, here I am. The angel said, look up and you will see that only the streaked, speckled, and spotted males are mating with the females of your flock. For I have seen how Laban has treated you. Laban was, was Jacob's uncle and he kept changing his wages and cheating him. All right? He said, I am the God who appeared to you at Bethel. Remember I talked about Bethel? The place where you anointed a pillar of stone and made your vow to me. Now get ready and leave this country and return to the land of your birth. He said, I have seen what Laban is doing to you. Friends, God has seen how people have mistreated you. Today I was telling my wife, I said, some of us who are called, I, I think everybody who is called will go through mistreatment in their lives, in the course of their journey. Besides that, we will go through things that will even cause us more heartache. But in the midst of it, we will find the power of God. Abraham had 318 servants born in his own house. 318. For the 25 years he was waiting for God's promise, his servants were just giving birth. Those under him were giving birth. Every time they will come, Master Abraham, my wife has had twins. Master Abraham, my wife has had triplets. Master Abraham, we just had a baby girl. Can you come? Abraham will go and give them a silver coin. Abraham will go and give them this and that. 318 raised in his house. 25 years was a long time. So if you add 318 servants born 
plus those who were giving birth to the 318, Abraham probably had over 450 to 500 servants in his own. He was a wealthy establishment, but he had no child for 25 years after God promised him. Some of you would look at some of us who are in the ministry and you think, hey, this guy, I wish they could do this. I wish they could do that. We are on a journey, man. We're on a journey, man, woman. Boy, girl, we're on a journey. You are on a journey too. And our journeys are not the same. God has not called us to do anything more than be faithful. Success in ministry, if you are in ministry, listen to me. Success is faithfulness. Faithfulness. Do you know those who are faithful to us in ministry and faithful to those who are called, are called if you are faithful to anyone God calls you, if you are faithful, I'm telling you, you will never lack. God will bless you because you are faithful to a call. You are faithful to the call of God on a person's life. You are faithful to the revelation of Christ in another person because God doesn't call a person without giving them support. So those who are faithful, that's why those who give to a ministry financially, they give their time, they give their resources. Let me tell you what they're doing. A lot of people think, oh, I'm giving my money to an organization and, and you, know, I, 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 you know, they don't understand that they're actually giving to God. A lot of people don't understand this. So they look at the things that are, you, when you do, you are giving to God. And I can say more on that, but not for today. It's so powerful. Once you understand, it changes the dynamic. It changes the dynamic. All right. So the great interventionist came to Jacob at Bethel, came to Jacob under Laban and said, I've seen what Laban is doing to you. He came to Jacob at Jabok and wrestled with him. You've heard that, you know, Jacob wrestled with him and then he said, bless me. And then he blessed him. We see the great interventionist with Jacob and Esau. Before Jacob met Esau, he was scared. He thought, ah, I'm finished. My brother is going to kill me for sure. But before that time, he had already intervened. Friends, I want to tell you something. Before the trouble you think is coming, God has already intervened. Before the situation that will arise, that you are thinking, how are we going to do this? God has already intervened. Our job is to talk to him. Our job is to leave the problems with him. Go before him. That's why prayer is so key. When we pray, you know what happens? We unload before the, the cross. We unload before the throne. And guess what happens? Heaven gives us peace as a result of that. When you are praying about a matter, as soon as you have peace about it, it is done. It is settled. I'll share this about the great interventionist. I said he's, he intervenes by his voice. The voice of God is so powerful. God told Laban, he said, don't say good or bad to Jacob. <laughs> you know, because Laban, after Jacob left, Laban tried to pursue him and he would have killed him and taken everything back. But God said, don't. He appeared to him in a dream. Do you know, I'm reading from Genesis, friends. I'm reading from the book of Genesis. Do you think that those things still happen today? A lot of Christians in Canada today don't think those things happen. I talk to people. I go to meetings. I hear how people talk. And sometimes I wonder, do you really believe that God is still alive and well? Because everything is about metrics. I've told you before that the highest income for January so uh, from for 2020 so far for our church was in April. The highest income we have recorded in the last <laughs> I'm talking of just regular income. We're not doing a special offering or anything. Just was April. Everything put together. And that was when the lockdown was heavy. The first week I was scared. I told you I was scared because we were the, the churches meeting in schools. We don't have a building. That's why uh, services are still online, while some have started meeting plus online. I thought, oh, we're done now. Who's going to come to church? The first week, but I prayed. And the Lord showed me something from Elijah. And I think for six weeks or more, I preached 
using Elijah. So those of you who've been following, you remember when the lockdown started, we were using Elijah and Elijah's life. It was because I got some things from God. And you know, when God gives you things, it overflows. I was able to speak on Elijah for six weeks and I saw God intervene in my wife's life, in my life. Let me share a story with you before I close about the great interventionist. You don't have to be suffering a crisis to get the interventionist to come. Sometimes he intervenes because he wants you to move your life from normal to supernormal. You can write that down. Sometimes God wants to move you from normal to supernormal. Sometimes from ordinary gears, okay, to overdrive, okay? And he says, I have a plan for you, so I'm going to intervene. If I don't intervene, you just keep going your way or you'll be, yeah, you're my child, but I want to intervene. So years ago, I remember we're in Nigeria at the time and uh, I had gone, I was leading a church. I had gone to visit a, a neighboring building near the church. They had supplied us with power. And I entered the building, talked to the lady there, and uh, she's so nice. Her husband had also been in ministry, but had stepped back from ministry a year or two before that time. As I was leaving, the, as I was leaving she said, oh, uh, just in case you have anybody in your church looking for a job, I want you to announce it. And maybe if there's somebody looking for a job, there's the Canadian government is, has come back into the country. At that time, the Canadian government left our country because of uh, Sani Abacha's rule. He was a general country at that time was very corrupt, still corrupt, but there was a lot of issues going on. And the Canadian government at the time said, we're not interested in back, backing dictatorial governments. So they pulled out and they were operating from Ghana at the time. So she said, they've just come back into the country. And I think that you need to, you know, if people are looking for a job, they should apply. I know somebody there who's, uh, you know, taking an application. So I said, all right. Yeah. Uh, so as I was, I said, oh, I know somebody who's looking for a job. I know a couple of people. I will probably just tell them rather than announcing it. As I was walking out of the gate, something that had happened to me twice before that time, that was the third time in my life. After that, it has happened a few more times, it's including since I moved here to Canada. Very remarkable. The same voice, the same volume. As I held the door of the gate. Now, there's a big gate for cars. There's one for pedestrians, right? Held the, the latch, actually, of the pedestrian gate. I heard the voice said to me very clearly. He said, the job belongs to your wife. This year, it came in. I, it was like, I couldn't deny that somebody spoke. As soon as she said, so, Baba, have a good day. After she told me, I was walking away. And I was thinking this. He said, this job belongs to your wife or the job belongs to your wife. I can never forget. And as I walked out, I said, wow, that's interesting. And it's like something comes into you and just gives you so much faith. So I walked, I didn't even know what the job was. I didn't know what it was about or anything. So I just went to my wife and I, I told her at home and she said, oh, okay, but I don't think I want to work there. And she gave me her reasons. And I said, well, okay, but this is what I heard. So I said, make your resume. She said, um, so I went into our office at the time. We had an office in the house where so I, I, uh, <laughs> I went, updated her resume. I did that. You can ask her if you want. And then I took the, the I took it. And when she looked at it, she said, okay, it's, it's okay. It's okay. The dates correct this and that. I did all the corrections. And then I printed a copy out. I folded it. She made an application and I took it myself. She can tell you the rest of the story herself. It's amazing. But we don't have time for that today. But here's it, my friends. That was the beginning of our coming to this country. I had no interest. We had, I, I didn't ever think I would live in this part of the world. But God had a plan. And a few years later, it was clear what he wanted to do. And that's why when we arrived in Canada, I was sure that I was supposed to do what I'm doing today, what we're doing today. We had no doubt in our minds that we were called into this assignment. There's no doubt. We've seen so many proofs of what God wanted to do. That was the beginning. And so many other times, the intervention of God. I've had dreams that are 
so precise as to what the Lord will do in a situation. Other times, nothing. Other times, I'm as confused as the next guy down the road and I have to pray for God to get me out of confusion because God is not the author of confusion. But I'm telling you that if Christians are not taught these things, we will live below normal because we are normal people who have a supernatural God who wants to innovate and Jesus is the great interventionist and he has put his blessing upon us. So how do we now enjoy this blessing? How do we allow him to become the great interventionist? So the question is, how do you invite the great interventionist? Here's the answer. You have to invoke the blessing. Write that down. Invoke the blessing. And how do you do that? I'll tell you as we close. Jesus said in John chapter 6 verse 27, he said you should not labor for the meat that perishes. He said labor not in the King James version, he says labor not for the meat that perishes. Many of us are laboring for the things that will perish when we should labor for the thing that does not perish. He said work hard, invest. That's why if you are not a Bible reader, start reading the Bible because you will be amazed at what God will do as you do that. Labor, invest time in finding God, the things that he has to do and say in your life. Then when you go through scriptures, begin to speak the things that God has spoken to you in scripture. That's the way to invite the interventionist. You invoke the blessing by going around the blessing. And the way to go around the blessing is to start here. You go around the blessing. By exposing yourself to the kind of music. Some of you say we don't know how, you know, to hear God. <laughs> it's because we are not positioning ourselves to hear. If you have a radio and you tune the radio, if you're trying to be on 95.1 FM and you, are, you, you tune, tune, tune to 95.7, you won't get 95.1. Many of us, our tuning is off. We download music from uh, Apple and uh, Spotify and all this, but what are we downloading? Most of, we spend more time listening to music that will channel things that will not really help you to hear God. Look, you need to hear the word of God. That song says, voice of God or word of God, speak. Word of God, speak. God has to speak to us. We need the word. Andre Crouch too, uh, sang a song years ago in the early 70s, the late Andre Crouch. He said, we need to hear from you. We need to hear from you. If we don't hear from you, what will we do? Because of the value and importance, we need to labor at the feet of the cross. And when I use the word labor, somebody may say, but that's, that's grace, grace, well, grace, grace. But you know, the, the biggest misunderstanding in North America today is grace. People say, well, we have grace. And so they, we, we consume more coffee than we should, then we go to the doctor. Oh, we have grace. Then we eat more than we should do, then we're at the doctor's office. Oh, we have grace. We can do whatever we like. Grace does not make you do whatever you like. Grace gives you ability to do what you shouldn't be doing. Grace gives you grace to walk. Grace means ability. When you say a skater is skating graciously, a hockey player skates graciously, a swimmer swims graciously. Are they not doing something? They're doing something, but there's grace in what they are doing. What grace means is God in you, helping you to do what you cannot do as a human being. So please, quit talking that nonsense talk about grace. We have grace and then you're doing whatever. Yeah, you can do whatever you like. That's not the grace that God gives. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That's Satan telling people the wrong thing. And that's why you see so much damage, collateral damage around because we have listened to a lie. The truth is Grace helps you accomplish the will of God. May God grant us grace today. May the blessings speak 
on your behalf. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, as we go into a session of prayer with your word today, we ask, oh God, that you would speak to us. I want to pray for those of you who say, oh, I don't know Jesus. I don't have a personal relationship with God. You can start today. All you need to do is to repent of your sins. Ask God to forgive you and bring you into relationship with him. Say, Father, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. I've sinned against you. I repent of my sins. Write my name in the book of life. Make me your child. Let me walk with you from today. Walk with me from today. Show me the way that I should go. The Bible says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's that simple. And then you can contact us. We'd love you to. Joyfountainchurch.com. Send us a message. We'll get back to you. We'll send you a gift to help support you and encourage you in your walk with God. And for those of you who have been following and the, the message, the blessing, please join us in a session of prayer. We are now doing this every week. We preach the word and we take a few minutes to pray. Well, that's all for now. Thank you for listening. Were you blessed by the message? Do you have any questions? Did you make a commitment to follow Jesus as Lord? Please let us know. You can contact us by sending us a message on our contact page at joyfountainchurch.com. Have a blessed day.